one. Welcome to the first ever installment of the Owl Chat Podcast. My name is Kai Millett. I am the founder and main contributor to BigOwlBlog.com coming June 17th. I am here with my good friend, John Finer from KSUOwlHowl.com. John, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself before we get started. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to kind of join forces with Kai on Big Owl Blog and give it its own, you know, give it different content than I was putting out on my site, KSUOwlHowl.com, which I've been running for over 10 years. Um, you know, I tweet a lot. We have message boards. I'm sure if you guys have been following me for a long time, you already know that. And I cover, uh, you know, recruiting. I have some spreadsheets, that sort of thing, and add my own opinions on Twitter. Um, you know, I do a piece of covering KSU, but I'm only one guy. So I've joined, here, I guess, joined forces here with Kai, who adds a different dimension with his uh, background, you know, um, with his journalistic background. And he's going to be able to, you know, provide uh, some different uh, areas of coverage for you guys. And we're going to try and grow this thing out here, um, you know, get some other KSU fans involved. And uh, my vision, at least, is, uh, you know, let's uh, let's get let's make it a site uh, by fans for fans. So uh, that's that's kind of our vision. Well said. Um, also, obviously, we want to make this podcast a very regular thing here, um, and it'll be available on both of our sites and everywhere that you choose to pod. Um, that being said, it is the summer and news is going to be slow, so um, we will pick up pace, I'm sure, in the fall. Um, but as of right now, we got months worth uh, months worth of hoops news to get through. So, um, John, let's start right at the top. What were your initial reactions back in April when uh, Antoine Petway was announced as the next coach of KSU basketball? Well, my initial reaction was, thank God we finally hired somebody. Um, but after after that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, oh my God, I'm kicking myself. How didn't I, you know, totally just see this coming from, a, you know, miles away? It made so much sense in retrospect with, you know, his connections to Milton Overton. He was the finalist in twenty. 19 when Amir Abdurrahim got the job. Uh, I think that, you know, if we had more money back then, I honestly do think Petway, I don't have any facts, but I do think Petway would have gotten a job um, back then. And uh, I think it's a great fit for um, both KSU and Coach Petway. He's familiar with the school, you know, Alabama's, you know, regional to KSU. Um, he has a good relationship with, like I said, the AD, and he has a uh, good background consisting of uh, working under Mark Gottfried, uh, Anthony Grant, Avery Johnson, and Nate Oates. So, you know, he's, you know, he's been around, he's learned a lot, and he's stuck around through multiple coaching changes, which is not something that happens every day. It happens every now and then, but usually most coaches like to kind of choose their own guys, but uh, Petway's kind of stuck around and, you know, developed relationships, and that says a lot. You know, obviously the standards are going to be higher um, at a program like Alabama, but I think the fact that he's not only stuck through four different coaching regimes uh, in his time at Bama uh, and was maintained by all four of those guys, but um, won with all four of those guys. Um, in his time on staff at Bama, he only experienced one losing season. You know, uh, his short time at Jacksonville State, it was a different story. But, uh, you know, that's how the Gamecocks like to do it. Um, yeah, I think that speaks volumes. Another thing that jumps out to me is his time as a player at Bama. Um, you know, there's something to be said about good character on paper versus good character 
through words. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but the fact that he went from a walk-on back in 2001, I believe, and ended up being a rotational player on a team that went all the way to the Elite Eight um, speaks volumes to the type of coach and uh, person he is. And uh, I think his willingness to get this program really running and it being his first head coaching gig um, means he has a lot to prove. So I think the hunger is definitely going to be there. Unlike, you know, a guy like, yeah, not to drag the name, but like an Al Skinner who, you know. Hey, we all wanted to say it, Kai. I was holding my tongue. I was hoping you'd say it. So thank I you. I mean, it's there. You know, you, it, this is not a situation where this is an end of career type job with, you know, um, uh, a name that's out there. So um, I'm excited for this new era. Um, what else jumps out to you about Petway thus far? Well, piggybacking off of what you said, um, Jacksonville State, uh, he was there from 06 to 08. I like that he was there. So he kind of gets a view. It was a long time ago, but he gets a view of the other side. You know what I mean? Being at Bama for so long, things are totally different at Alabama than KSU. I mean, and even NIL for recent, um, you know, just that SEC, you know, the size of everything, you know, being able to kind of have your say, say on players, so to speak, being at the top of the food chain. Um, you know, you're not going to have that at KSU. You have to build relationships. And that's kind of how he's pulled some of his players so far by building those relationships and, you know, seeing guys like uh, Colin Sexton showing up at his press conference um, speaks volumes to me. I mean, Sexton's a, a good NBA player. I mean, he doesn't have to be there. I mean, obviously he's from the area, but still he doesn't have to come to, you know, I mean, he was in college how long ago, you know, I think he was, was he only there one year, one and done? Yeah, um, yeah, and, and um, you know, you said Kira Lewis is, was dropping by to visit and all right. of that kind of stuff. So you can see those past connections. He still has them. Right. And, you know, yeah. even guys that, you know, he didn't necessarily win the recruiting battle with or, right. you know, hasn't been in touch with a few years. He can still pull them back as he developed those relationships uh, that were so strong. So that's really, you know, off the off the dome. That's what pops up into my head. Um, yeah. What about you, Kai? What are, you have any additional thoughts? Because I've got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, just some quick quotes I'd like to read, that kind of thing. I'd love to hear them. The one, I don't know if a red flag is the right term, but the one thing that concerned me a little bit with the hire was him being the third assistant that was um, hired out of uh, Nate Oates' staff last year. Um, one of them ended up in state, and that was Charlie Henry, who uh, ended up at Georgia Southern. Um, and then Brian Hodgson ends up at Arkansas State. So they all stay in the South. Um, and that's nothing I think you can hold against Petway. Uh, really, what you hope that means is that they're all phenomenal. Um, but we'll see. Um, hopefully, we get a matchup with Georgia Southern um, during the Petway tenure. I would love to see that matchup. So. Yeah, this is uh, me, well, this is not to cut you off, but this is a little bit non related. But, uh, you know, rumor has it and nothing's official yet. But I'm kind of hearing rumors swirling of, uh, you know, Georgia State, uh, Kennesaw State matchup. And I don't think that's happened since 1989. I would love to see that happen. Uh, it needs to be a rivalry. Um, the I would love to see administration make more of an effort to create those non-conference matchups in every sport. Uh, it seems like they're really good at it in some of the non-rev sport, uh, non-rev sports. I know we played them in uh, women's soccer and baseball last year. So uh, I would love to see. And football. Know, we played them once football. in football. We did. I think we played them twice in football. I think it was. I think you it was. You know more one. than I would. Um, yeah. 
they played at uh truest correct no no they played at turner or yeah, it's now did. like whatever credit union stadium wherever no, GSU no, plays. It's, it's still turner field always turner field um it was <laughs> oh, it's the goat it was the ghost the gutted out skeleton of turner field it was really sad and depressing and i never want to see that again Really, but, I haven't been back since uh, state moved into there. So maybe I, maybe that'll stop me. I was planning on it, but uh, that place means a lot to me. So yeah, it was like here. it was like a Scooby Doo haunted mansion version of Turner Field. I should say. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, um, you said you had plenty of quotes to. Uh, yes, not uh, describe Petway. Um, well, well, I do. You made a good point about, you know, he's the third assistant to get hired. And, you know, we don't know what the reasons for that. That is like, I, what is it? I think Hodge, you know, one of the assistants um, went to, was he in like Arkansas now? Arkansas or State. Like Arkansas State and Georgia Southern. You know, maybe Petway wanted to, you know, maybe Petway had his eye on KSU. I mean, that that's his story. That's what he said in the you know, the presser, he was familiar with everything from 2019. You know, maybe he didn't want to, you know, go to Arkansas. I wouldn't. Um, right. And there's nothing to do in, you know, Georgia Southern raising, you know, raising a family in Statesboro. So, I mean, right. we don't know all the reasons, but I um, just want to put that out there. Right. And also, I just, you know, before we forget, you know, I just want to say I found out that um, that way's contract uh, previously was uh, just to throw it out there was two years, 335,000 annually. Um, this year, if he was coming back to out, this was it, that was at Bama. Um if he was coming back to Bama, it would have been four hundred and ten thousand per year this coming season. So I, I don't think the numbers have been released yet for what KSU is paying, but you'd have to think it's something at least somewhat comparable to four hundred and ten thousand. Um, obviously, right. guys right. might take less to you know for the opportunity and all of that kind of stuff, but you know it's whatever we're paying him is nowhere close to what we would have been paying him in twenty nineteen because right. Amir Amir's fiscal year twenty twenty two salary. And that's not counting bonuses or any kind of incentives. Was um, 229k. Right. So it's it's a it's probably going to be a pretty big difference. But um, yeah, I do have some good quotes from um, about Petway. Um, I actually spoke to uh, Scott Whittle. Uh, he's known Petway for 12 years. He's a um, an AAU coach, very big in the Alabama scene. Uh, he's been an AAU coach for 14 years, put over 100 kids in college, over 70 at the D1 level. Uh, most recently, you know, J.D. Davison and Colby Jones of uh, Xavier, who KSU fans are probably familiar with, um, you know, <laughs> from the tournament. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately. So I do have some, uh, you know, quotes there and I do want to um, t tell you about that. So I asked I asked Scott about Petway. And, you know, he told us these are just quotes off the top of his dome. He didn't like write them down and send them or anything like that. So I just kind of transcribed. So I'd like to think it's like 98 percent accurate um, in terms of pet. He's just a really great developer of relationships and he forges those relationships through the ability to relate to the player. Having done it and having come from a background of winning games, uh, players gravitate towards him because of his genuineness. He's always smiling, always has a good attitude. Uh, players feel that they can trust him, and it's not often uh, like that across the board. Uh, he's a good leader of men and a good person. He's really good at fostering relationships with student athletes. And again, that's not common in college athletics. Even kids he didn't end up uh, lasting at Alabama or staying there. They kept a good relationship and uh, built a bond that didn't break. For example, uh, Jason Holt, um, you know, he didn't shoot it well and, you know, 
I'm hoping Petway gives him some freedom to trust himself and play like the kid that was covered out of high school and um, a down-to-earth, approachable, genuine guy. Right. Uh, you mentioned Jason Holt not shooting well, and we'll get to that later in the podcast. But um, unless you got anything else to to mention, we can start getting through the staff. Um, which... Let's see. Let's see here. Uh, I mean, I have some I have some talking points here um, okay. <laughs> under my talking point section. This is our first podcast, so bear with us. Uh, I do want to put out, um, you know, a great job by Coach Petway. His first line of business was keeping Burden and Robinson. Right. Um, and he did just that. He got in there. You know, I, I think Burden, especially because, you know, he was on could have been on the verge of transferring. Um right. You know, Robinson, I don't know the situation, but he already transferred one, so it would be tougher. But he kept those guys, got them to buy in, and um, that was huge. Um, let's see here. And, you know, uh, one thing, you know, speaking on that is what people forget is it can be hard to convince a college senior to not graduate, <laughs> you know, and stay taking, you know, a class or two or pursue, you know, a graduate degree um, and just stick around in Kennesaw another year. Yeah, it's it's not easy. Sometimes guys, you know, get their eyes big and want to try and go to a big school and, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, make their name on the national scene. But, um, you know, I think this is a good move for, um, you know, Terrell Bird and he's going to, you know, cement himself as one of the best players in Kennesaw State basketball history on any level. And he's already started to break records last year and he's going to be doing the same thing this year. Um, the last thing I wanted to kind of note about, you know, you said three coaches are leaving um, Bama and, you know, we just have to point out that, you know, we, there's probably a reason why all three left. So, you know, I, we don't know exactly, you know, if the other two coaches, you know, would have left should things have turned out differently. We all know the, you know, the situations going on at Alabama with their some of their players. Yeah. And um, also want to point out uh, before we move on that uh, Coach Petway was the offensive coordinator at Bama. So he's an offensive-minded coach. Um, it sounds like he want you know, from talking to Scott last night, you know, he wants guys to, you know, obviously, and what Petway said in his own presser, you know, he, you know, he wants fast pace. He wants right. guys to have the freedom, but, you know, he wants guys to be accountable for that freedom. So, you know, we're probably not, I don't think we're going to see too many set plays, but, you know, guys are going to have to be trusted to do their own thing and earn that trust. And, you know, perhaps a difference, uh, you know, and we'll touch on this later is, you know, guys are going to get the opportunity to make, possibly make mistakes, but, you know, just not make those mistakes multiple times and, you know, get the quick hook if they make one mistake. And, you know, sometimes that's the big difference in a mindset for a player. They have the confidence to, kind of go out and do their thing and not play in fear. Uh, yeah. Um, and obviously I want to get to more of this later when we get through the roster, but just looking through Bama's offensive catalog, it's a lot of, a lot of reliance on transition, very quick, um, very heavy on ball screens when they are in the half court. Um, all I'm going to say is I'm really, really excited to see Terrell Burden and DeMond Robinson in the half court um, when that is the case. So yes. not having the athletes Bama does does make a difference because, you know, you go from having a guy like Brandon Miller, who's six, eight, um, can shoot the rock and is insanely athletic to working with a guy like Quincy Adam McCoy, you know, is going to change things. But it might not be as flashy, but I expect 
Petway's offense to carry over very well and be very effective, um, especially yeah. with some of the size that they brought in um, with this new class. So Absolutely. that's going to be really Absolutely. exciting to see. Absolutely. And you're not going to, of course, you're not going to be able to run, you know, some of the same stuff at Bama. I mean, it's, it's not like we're just taking Bama's offense um, and, you know, bring it over, you know, Petway's been under, you know, Anthony Grant, Mark Gottfried, Avery Johnson, Nate Oates, you know, he has assistance. I'm sure he's going to, you know, he knows what he wants to do. And like any coach coming over, he's going to add kind of his own recipe in there. And, you know, he has different players, so he's going to have to kind of, adjust to the players that he has as well so you know either way you know petway definitely has the offensive pedigree um to you know get this done and you know i kind of want to you know like you said let's move on to the next coach um i'll kind of let you take the lead on this but i just want to say willie watson um you know he's more of a he has an offensive and defensive background right um very interesting coaching resume obviously what stands out is him coming over from within the conference um being in north alabama since 2017 um one thing that stands out to me is he's no stranger to transition um and i don't mean that in a basketball sense i mean that in a program sense uh he oversaw both the northern alabama transition from division two to division one as well as a far more obscure transition, which was the merger of U- Te- University of Texas Pan American and um, one Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley. It became Rio Grande Valley. Um, there was two different schools, and they merged into one program. And I believe um, that they absorbed some of the players from the other school's team. So, not that it matters all that much. Just an interesting factoid right there. Um, but yeah, uh, the connection to Petway is being on staff at Alabama. Um, while Watson uh, spent his short time as a as a walk on and uh, a low level assistant on that staff, so the connection goes way back. Um, obviously, being in conference uh, goes a long, long way in terms of scouting and you know the general recruiting base that you know he's going to share with these other schools. Um, so yeah, what stands out to you about Watson? Yeah, what you said, you know, he's in the uh he's in the conference. Um he knows, you know, he knows kind of the level that of, you know, talent that we need to be successful. Well, that's going to change once we get to Conference USA, but he's kind of familiar and he could have guided that way like say, "Hey, you know, these guys are fine for this conference. You know, you can bring that guy in. He'll he might have success here." You know, he's very familiar with it. Um, you know, like you said, he was a manager first at Alabama, then a walk on, then head manager and then graduate assistant from right. 2005 to 2011. Um, I think he got promoted at UNA to associate head coach, uh, which is basically just like a nice, usually a nice way of saying top assistant. Um, right. I did, um, you know, I have Petway's quote on uh, Watson. Um, and I also have uh, Scott Whittle, who I met, who I gave the quote earlier. Um, you know, Petway says he's a high character guy, helped develop student athletes, nothing out of the unusual, nothing out of the ordinary there. Um, like I said, Scott Whittle has a deep background in Alabama, very familiar with Willie Watson. Uh, he tells me Willie's cut from the same cloth as Petway from a personality standpoint. He's a tireless recruiter like Antoine was. Willie is a body snatcher for Tony Pujol, and he was a guy that was able to bring good talent to UNA, a place that's not easy to win. And this is me interjecting, John, here. Um, you know, like you said, they transitioned. So it was especially more difficult to win. Uh, back to Whittle. Uh, the fact that he's able to bring kids in, like the reigning ace on freshman of the year, Jakari Lane, the similarities to Coach Petway parallel well. He's a good, relatable person, no-nonsense guy, 
his ability to see talent in guys like Jakari Lane, who was freshman of the year. He's got a very good head coach, got a very good head on his shoulders. And I think he'll be a head coach in short order. And it was a no brainer that he joined Petway after being a manager player in the mid 2000s. He worked his way up from the bottom, did a really good job for UNA and have no doubts that he will continue the success that KSU had last year. I love Willie Watson. I think he's a fantastic up and coming coach and Petway is really lucky to have him quite frankly. And Whittle also mentioned, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Watson can coach both O and D offense and defense, whereas, um, you know, Petway's probably been more focused on the offensive side. You know, the theme of this uh, staff really is balance of potential and experience. And Watson really falls in the middle of that. Um, He's still young enough to where I think he'll be a good relatable guy for players, uh, you know, and be valuable on the recruiting trail. Um, Absolutely. He's been around basketball for a very, very long time. Um, So, yeah, uh, if you don't mind, we can move on to assistant number two, Mr. Robert Kirby, um, who's been in college basketball for Division One college basketball, I'll add, for 39 years at this point. Um, And as I noted in the upcoming blog post, um, has probably experienced more success in his coaching career than Kennesaw State men's basketball has or excuse me, has forgotten more success in his D1 coaching career than Kennesaw State men's basketball can remember. Um, Only two losing tenures in his 39-year career, which is um, his time with Patrick Ewing and his staff at Georgetown um, and Houston uh, back in the early to mid-90s. His ties around the Southeast are undeniable. Um, He's got stops at LSU, Memphis, both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Obviously, Georgetown and uh, University of Arkansas, Little Rock, way back in the day. So, yeah, tell me how you feel about Kirby so far. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, you know, going in even back when Amir was hired, you know, I, I was hoping that he would hire a guy like Robert Kirby or somebody with, you know, good head coaching experience. And just piggybacking actually on the Willie Watson thing, um, you know, he did serve as an interim head coach at Marion Military Institute. That's Willie Watson. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So he has a little bit of experience in the driver's seat. But back to Robert Kirby. Yeah, we need, you know, we needed that veteran guy that um, Petway can lean on, kind of Yoda of the staff, so to speak. Um, You know, Kirby has some, you know, he he's a good recruiter too. Um, he's not, you know, it doesn't sound like he's one of those guys that just, you know, again, bring up Al Skinner. That's, you know, ah, he's in a retirement gig or whatnot. It sounds like this guy, you know, can recruit, still recruit, knows how to, you know, talk to kids, relate to kids, that kind of thing. Um, and I did talk to Scott, uh, Whittle again, who knows, uh, Kirby. And he told me Kirby's been around a long time, brings great experience. Um, he's been around and has coached some pretty good players. A perfect guy for Petway to fill the spot who's been there and done that and can help Petway navigate the waters that he hasn't swam in before. It's important to have guys like Robert Kirby who can lead you down the right path and take some pressure off uh, recruiting a D1 roster. Uh, Petway's an excellent recruiter, but now he's got to make decisions on the guys. And, you know, he's taken a lot of risk on some guys who have a lot of talent but haven't proven at the D1 level yet. And uh, Kirby can, you know, help him with these areas of player development, making final decisions on the roster and making the jump to Conference USA more seamless. Um, With the level of talent that comes out of Atlanta, I think you'll start seeing some high level talent coming into Kennesaw that, you know, might not have come in in the past. Right. Uh, I think it's a benefit, too, that he is uh, a career assistant type of guy. You know, um, as long as you steer the ship right, he's not going to, you know, jump ship on you. 
Um, he's never been a head coach in his time. So he's, he knows the role very well and he's done it with a lot of high, high profile programs and high profile coaches. Like I said, he's won or been a part of over 500 wins in his college basketball coaching career. So I think the experience is incredibly valuable and I, um, I expect him to be a huge asset both in recruiting and within the game. Um, that brings us to our final assistant, unless you had anything else to mention on Kirby, um, who's Donovan Cates, who is the youngest of the three, um, comes over from University of Louisiana Lafayette, who won the Sun Belt last year, went 26 and eight uh, and had their own appearance in the NCAA tournament. Um, sticking with the theme of, you know, winners on this staff. Um, not only as a coach has he been successful in his show, short career, but he also has two NCAA tournament appearances as a player. So it's safe to say Cates is a branded winner. Yes, and not just backing in with some, you know, SEC, ACC team. He took Manhattan College, uh, the Jaspers of Manhattan College, to back-to-back uh, appearances in 2014 and 2015. So, uh, you know, Cates has a shorter background, so we can cover it all. You know, he began his coaching career um, at Combine Academy in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2017. Then he moved over to Alabama, where he got to know Coach Petway, serving as a special assistant to Nate Oates. He got his master's degree there, um, you know, and also another looks like, a, you know, another Alabama, guy with Alabama ties. Um, I, I talked to Scott again, and Scott knew a little bit about Donovan Cates, and he told me he brings a little bit of defensive flavor to the staff solid player he was a solid player in Hungary I uh, didn't spend a lot of time with him but I did attend several practices and saw some of the things he did and he brings that defensive approach and scheme so that's definitely uh you know a good thing right and I mean with his youth you know the ceiling is unlimited with Kate's so um and you know being a 30 year old who was playing college basketball less than 10 years ago um I'm sure is great in the locker room um Let's uh, talk about some of the lower level guys on the staff too. Director of Operations, Dan McDonald, who is a Kennesaw State alum. Um, sounds like you know a thing or two about Dan. Yeah, I've I've known Dan a little bit. I've met him in person before once or twice. You know, he's been, you know, at some of the Kennesaw games. He's, you know, big in the Atlanta basketball scene. So, you know, if you're going to high school tournaments, all that kind of stuff, you know, you probably have Dan there. Uh, sitting sitting quietly and writing scouting reports on you. Um, you know, I remember back in the day, he's been around since I started covering KSU, basically. Uh, he worked for Rivals. Then he worked for, I guess, Rise Hoops, Lake Point. I'm not, not entirely sure what all these entities are, but he's been in the Atlanta high school basketball scene for a long time. And I think this is a great hire because, you know, he can, I'm sure he knows pretty much every single coach in Georgia in high in the high school ball and you know can serve as that connection point to get uh coach petway and his assistants in the gym and you know trusting the staff and help building the relationships and i think that's crucial seeing as how you know none of uh petway watson kirby or kates are really atlanta guys uh mcdonald is going to have some value to the staff you know right. beyond just doing dobo you know responsibilities obviously he can't recruit because right. he's a dobo but you know he's going to be i think an invaluable resource right i mean director of operations is typically you know the role you assign to an assistant who you don't have enough space for so um i'm excited uh to watch his career play out honestly because he is still super young and like you said um, has uh, tremendous ties just in the Atlanta basketball scene. 
and you know him yeah. getting his first real gig with a, a d1 school um the the possibilities are endless for his career um we'll throw in that they did add jamie baker as the video coordinator um and he comes over uh with petway from bama um so yeah if you got anything else to add about those two uh you can go right ahead no that's it uh jamie baker you know has a you know has a playing background as well at uh presbyterian um spent his last two years at appalachian state was a ga at alabama so you know baker's probably the guy that's gonna who knows how long he's gonna be here until he gets his uh you know adobo or uh assist uh, assistant job of his own and you know can also possibly be groomed if uh you know some of the one of the guys choose to leave you can you know promote upwards internally um but yeah that's his that's uh coach petway's staff i think we did a pretty good job of covering it i am happy with his choices um you know nothing stands out as you know oh man what what this doesn't make any sense what are we doing here um so i never really got that reaction um, when he hired his assistants, I wish it was sooner because I was sick of speculating for like two months. Um, but that's just me as a fan. So, right. Right. I mean, let's get to this roster because there's a lot to talk about. Um, firstly, let's talk about, you know, the departures and, you know, what you lose with, with each one. Um, obviously, no disrespect to either of the two, but Eves Kamba and Ahmad Johnson only played in, I think, about six or seven games apiece last year. Um, so those losses aren't, you know, going to hurt your production all that much. Um, then you start with, you know, the bench guy, Alex Peterson, who really led that bench unit, um, for a lot of last season, um, I think is going to be a really underrated loss, but you got a couple of guys coming in, um, with roughly his frame that are going to look to replace that production. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, we'll cover him in a little while, but I think Ron G. Gordon is probably more of the direct uh, replacement for Peterson, a guy that can really, you know, has a bit, well, different than Peterson, but would probably be the most comparable addition. Um, and we'll cover him in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, that high energy type guy who can grab some loose rebounds, do the dirty work type of thing. Right. And then you lose the guys who alternated the starting spot last year. You got Kaysen Jennings, who goes to uh, South Florida with Amir and Spencer Rogers, who graduates and is now um, pursuing pro opportunities. Um, Jennings, obviously, as Amir would say, was the Owls' best on-ball defender last year, outside of maybe Brandon Stroud. Um, and then Spencer Rogers was Mr. Consistent last year, uh, went off and had a few really nice games towards the end of the season. So that's more scoring you're losing. And obviously, you know, you would have one of those guys in the starting lineup at any, any point, and the other would be the sixth man off the bench. So, you, you know, using uh, losing another uh, important piece off that bench unit um, is a big factor too. And the experience that Spencer Rogers um, brings as well. You, it's hard to replace that. I mean, he's been there, done that. Um, I think he was in his, uh, you know, fifth year or whatnot. Um, don't quote me on that, but you know, he's, he's been around, uh, he's been around a while. Right. Right. And then finally you got, you know, the A-Sun defensive player of the year, Brandon Stroud, also following Amir to USF as well as your leading scorer, Chris Youngblood, uh, following Amir to USF. So right there, you lose your best overall defender and your leading scorer. So safe to say that there are significant holes to fill and a lot of production to make up for. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to replace those guys. And, you know, I'm not saying that we can't replace them, 
but you know it's just so many unprovens uh right now on this roster um you know at the two three and four spots and you know i'm hoping these guys can step up but again those are you know young blood kind of do it all um they they bring that winning mindset that winning mentality those kids are winners um you know stroud's defense you know just kills teams in the a sun so yeah we're gonna we're gonna miss them greatly but i'm I'm excited to see what they can do in a, you know, a much bigger conference, um, you know, consistently. And, you know, it's South Florida is going to be interesting to watch with they oh, have yeah. a different dynamic. You know, they don't have I, I don't know what their situation is. I know they let go of a uh, seven footer for some reason. I'm not sure why Amir didn't bring him back. But and they also don't have uh, Terrell Burden. Um, right. I think Ho- Jose uh, Placer or Placer, whatever you want to call him, um, you know, he's a good player. But it's really going to see. I'm really interested to see the difference it makes not having, you know, the exact Kennesaw State roster, but having, you know, similar pieces. Right. Um, Another thing that I think people are going to look over um, with the loss of these guys, number one is the chemistry that they had. I mean, especially Youngblood, Stroud, and Jennings, who all came in in the same class. Uh, Youngblood and Stroud played together in high school, obviously. You know, it took time for those guys to click, even though they were good players as sophomores and freshmen you know the things weren't clicking like they were when they were juniors um that and i think losing some of the best six three to six six rebounders that i've ever seen in basketball um is something that you know you can't look past the good news is you add bigger guys this year in this class but you know back to the previous point it's going to take a lot of time for these guys to gel and just understand how they play with each other yeah, and, and that's going to be a, a tall. That's going to be the tall task for Coach Petway. Um, I will say this: Coach Petway comes in with a much better, um, you know, coaching uh, resume than Coach Abdur Rahim did. Um, Coach Petway has run offenses before, and I feel like it took a while for Abdur Rahim to kind of get guys on the same, you know on the same page here um looking back on you know starting in year one we obviously had one win um and then you had you know covid hit which it's hard to develop players and do things you know you have so many restrictions and rules during practice it's really hard but um you know i i really hope that coach petway with his experience can get everybody get everybody going in the same direction right all right let's start uh going down these new guys um we can start with the transfers and we'll go in order of when they happened um starting off with jamel king uh coming over from west virginia uh listed at 67 215 uh, he's got three years of eligibility left only played in 16 total games in two years at west virginia um i'm trying to piece together his story at west virginia and what i found is he probably jumped on the most big time offer that he got coming out of high school and was never really part of their plan so I think it's unfair to label him um, in any sort of way. Uh, he's one of the more mysterious um, in this group of seven we got. Uh, definitely the most mysterious transfer. Um, so I'm excited to see what we can do with a six-seven wing who can supposedly shoot. Um, he was offered by KSU out of high school. Um, so, you know, the ties there. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be an interesting floor stretcher for us this year. And I'm excited to see what kind of role Petway's going to, you know, uh, give to him in this first year. Yeah. It looks like, you know, Alabama was one of his favorites out of high school, but I can't find any evidence that Alabama actually pulled the trigger and offered. So, um, you know, I'm sure he had that, you know, relationship with coach Petway. 
Um, Jamel was, you know, if you wanted to do this just for fun, at a high school, he was rated an 89 overall, um, three stars, 181 nationally, and the seventh best player in Arizona by 24-7 sports. Um, and, you know, he's a, again, he's an Alabama guy from Paul Bryant High School in Tuscaloosa before he, um, you know, prepped at uh, Bella Vista. Um, and I did talk to uh, Scott Whittle again. Uh, Mr. Whittle told me had some, he knows Jamel very well. And he gave me some good insight onto, you know, what to expect and the type of player he is. Um, he told me Jamel is a sneaky athletic guy that can flat shoot it. He's got deep range, but can also dunk on you. His time in in at uh, West Virginia uh, molded him into more of a defender where you have to do if you play for Bob Huggins. He's unproven that he has played spot minutes, but at the prep level at Bell Vista, played uh, great talent on the circuit. He can shoot it and has put on the good kind of weight and is pushing 6'7", over 200 now with good muscle mass, and is one of the best shooters I've coached. He's hungry and wants to play basketball. So that was Scott Whittle on Jamel King. And so from what I'm gathering is, you know, like I might have mentioned this earlier, but Coach Petway's taking, you know, a chance on guys that he knew from, you know, a couple of years ago that he saw with his own eyes that, you know, had the talent, but for whatever reason, haven't put it together yet. So, you know, like Jamel King, for example, if, you know, maybe going down a level, playing at Kennesaw State, you know, do it, you know, playing under Coach Petway, gain some confidence, that three-point shot that Whittle's talking about, maybe we'll start to see it. And, um, you know, maybe he'll turn into the player that we hope he can. Right. I mean, and the thing with all of these transfers is they're going to expect to play. I mean, it's, you know, a majority of the reason uh, why they ended up down a level. Um, and I think it speaks volumes that a kid from Arizona who ends up going to West Virginia, um, you know, went to high school in Alabama, ends up, you know, at Kennesaw State. Um, you know, he clearly has business, uh, unfinished business in his career that he wants to accomplish. So um, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, he contrasts really interestingly with Aranji Gordon, who will get more in-depth uh, with next um, being six seven two fifteen, you figure he's probably too small to hold down the five at any point. Um, agreed, agreed. Um, he's going to clash with um, Gordon at the four, obviously, um, but he is at the right size to hold down the three as well, situationally. Um, so him and Adam Akoya in the rotation will be an interesting. I don't think battle's the right word, but. Um, I guess figuring out that we'll get to see um, Ranji Gordon on the flip side is a guy who, you know, will also hold down the four is big enough to hold down the five, but is probably out of place, you know, at the three. So um, how they divide up the minutes at the four is going to be fascinating to see this year. Yeah. Jamel King, I, I see him more as a stretch four, to be honest with you. And I kind of see Ranji Gordon, um, you know, doing that, you know, backing up at the five. Um, of course, if he beats out Cole LaRue for minutes and, um, you know, playing some time at the four, perhaps next to Robinson, if you want to do a big lineup. But again, that would, you know, there's, you know, I think uh, Coach Petway likes to have shooters on the floor. And I don't think Ranji Gordon is you know necessarily a shooter. So I think my best guess is we're going to see Gordon more at the five and King at the four. And like you said, maybe some spot minutes at the three if you wanted to do a big lineup. Right. Um, I think we can parlay that into Ranji Gordon's profile. Um, the biggest recruit in this class, uh, physically at least, um, standing at 6'8", uh, listed at 225. Um, he's got decent shooting from the paint. He was about 51% uh, 
um, in his time at UAB. Um, played 51 games, easily the most experienced player coming over, has an NCAA tournament appearance under his belt. Um, he watched his role in the rotation slowly diminish in his three years at uh, UAB. Um, uh, but he's seen a lot of winning and, you know, was highly touted out of high school. So two years of eligibility left. Um, looks like another, you know, hungry addition, another guy, you know, leaving, you know, a slightly bigger school to you know rack up his minutes and you know make more of a mark on a team than he did at his previous school um like you said uh he's more of a a four or five hybrid um can't really stretch the floor not a great shooter um great uh finisher at the rim the divide between him and robinson is going to be a very interesting one to follow because like you said the only other big on the roster true big is cole larue who, you know, uh, after the midway point last season, really struggled to crack any sort of rotation. Um, so, yeah, what do you see out of Ranji? Yeah, um, I like that he's a big body. Um, you know, Jamon Robinson, at least last year, I, I might be a conditioning thing or whatnot, but he's not a guy that you can just drag across, you know, on a regular basis for, you know, 30, 35 minutes. Um, so, you know, I like that he brings in some size. So we, you know, he's probably he's probably a little smaller, I'm guessing, than uh, Robinson, but you know, comparable. He's, he's listed as 40 pounds lighter. So oh. I mean, Robinson's a a hefty dude too. So you know, yeah, uh, it doesn't mean that Gordon doesn't you know have strength and size to him. But uh, Robinson, I mean, you saw him hold down Jack Nunji in that NCAA tournament game. Um, you know, Robinson yeah. can really stand with anybody at any size. Yeah, Robinson's a tank. Um, but yeah, like you said about Gordon, you know, uh, he's, he's from Lanier high school in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, in 2020, he was, um, 80, 89 overall and, uh, 221 nationally. Um, I, I believe that's 24 seven sports. I didn't write it down. And he was a number three player in Alabama. You know, he had high school offers as of May, 2019, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia tech, Ole Miss. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure why he attended UAB if the offers went away or, you know, what the situation was. Um, just some cool notes about Ranji. Um, his uh, his dad, also Ranji Gordon, played for Alabama State in the early to mid-90s, so he has that basketball pedigree. And his cousin Brandon played for Alabama State in South, in South Alabama during the aughts. So, you know, he does have it in his family. Um, and I do have some notes from, again, Scott Whittle, uh, kind of telling us a little bit about Ranji. Um, Whittle has that Alabama background, so he knows uh, Ranji Gordon. Uh, he's an Alabama kid that came from a winning program in high school. He was always the biggest and most physical guy. He can play better with his back to the basket rather than a shooter. He works hard, has good hands to deliver the ball to cutters and can pass it out of the post. He's got strong above-the-rim ability and can run the floor. He's fun to coach, sometimes quiet, but is very physical and tough. Uh, to be more successful, probably needs to embrace his role and play physical defense in the post and protect the rim without fouling. Uh, make his living, you know, on the boards and put backs and all that kind of good stuff. Um, again, and that's just me paraphrasing. And he's uh, comfortable with that way. And those guys know each other. And again, playing with freedom is something you can't underestimate. Um, and also just want to put out, I believe Ranji Gordon is a lefty. So, you know, get to see that lefty, uh, lefty jump shot if he does take one. Um, and on what you said, you know, his minutes have diminished, went from 12.4 to 11.4 to 5.2. So transferring out was obviously the right move. You know, I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall. And, you know, you you know, if you're all these guys, you know, want to play pro ball 
and obviously ultimately want to make it to the NBA, right? So why would you, you know, stick around if you're, you know, you're not in the plans? It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing Ranji play, see what we can get out of him. And I'm glad we have a, you know, a year where he can uh, stay under Demond Robinson and hopefully, you know, we'll learn more about him, you know, this year to where he can play a big role in Conference USA uh, when Robinson graduates. Um, I think when it comes to uh, the 2023-2024 season, I think these two are going to be the most immediately impactful because obviously the uh, front court is not nearly as crowded as the back court is, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, so these guys are going to be guys who are expected to immediately contribute. Um, but yeah, we got, we got one more transfer on this list, and that is Mr. Jusan Holt, um, who spent a year at Bama with Petway um, in 2021 to 2022 and then spent last year in-state in Athens uh, at the University of Georgia. Um, former four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, to our knowledge, according to 24-7 Sports, he is immediately eligible this year, um, although uh, it is his second time transferring. Um, he really struggled shooting the ball at both uh, Bama and Georgia. Uh, the good thing is there were slight improvements, at least in his three-point shooting. Um, he was at a lowly 10% uh, in his lone year at Bama, um, and that got bumped up to a 25% uh, mark. Uh, his two-point percentage went down from 50 to 35, but he also got far more run at UGA. So, you know, that's kind of just a saturation thing. Um, they're going to need him to be a really solid shooter. I think um, with his experience and with his pedigree, Holt is probably going to be expected to um be at least a 20 minute guy every game this year um so yeah he was he's at his third school in three years and played under petway um you know obviously this is his uh lowest level of college basketball that he's played at so far um what do you see in holt well i think that uh jason holt you know when you when you look at him um he you know he's you know, he's got that size, kind of reminds you of Brandon Stroud, you know, just a you know, six, 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 seven type guy, long, lanky, you know, plays good defense, all that kind of uh, all that kind of stuff he brings to the table. You know, he was ranked. He's probably probably even with uh, Gordon and King being great prospects out of high school. He's probably the highest uh, rank that you got here. Um, I do have some you know good news for Owl fans because I did talk to Scott Whittle and, I, and he gave me some really interesting stuff on uh hold that might i guess contradict some of the stats that you're seeing and what people that don't follow closely might not know um scott told me uh in practice i don't know if there was a better shooter in the gym in tuscaloosa that same confidence wasn't translating in the games for whatever reason uh the relationship he has with petway and as a shooter needs comfort to be able to play with fearless freedom and when he does that it's going to translate from the practices and i believe it'll be 40 percent plus that's a quote from scott and he also says, I've seen it firsthand in practices, and given the relationship that him and Petway have, I would expect it to translate into enormous success shooting the ball. Uh, his defensive abilities are a hallmark of the type of player he is. He can guard several positions and use his body well, which will help him stay on the court. I feel very confident in Holt. He's a long guy that can get in the passing lanes and make deflections. So, you know, Scott's really going out on a limb here saying, I've seen it. He can do it. He just wasn't comfortable and, you know, maybe that, like we, just, like we said before, that going down a level to Kennesaw State, playing under her coach that he's comfortable in, maybe that will unlock the talent that made him a four-star prospect at a high school. Right. And, you know, the obvious 
you know, red flag that jumps out is third school in three years. That being said, I think that's somewhat nullified um, because he was willing to come back to Petway and that relationship is still intact. You know, he, he didn't leave Bam on awful terms, it seems. Um, also, you know, being a six six shooting guard, if he can get that percentage up, you know, regardless of what school he's at, he's going to get at minimum a G League camp invite, you know. I mean, that is the ideal build for a shooting guard. Um, so I'm really excited to see uh, Jusan play next year. Um, and I think he's going to be given uh, a pretty heavy offensive load um, in that two spot, whether he's, you know, a sixth man or, um, you know, starting right away. So I'm excited to see that. Um, unless you got anything else to add, we can start getting into some of these freshmen. Um, yeah, um, I have a I have a little bit to add. I, I don't know how where I see him. I you know I haven't seen him play. I don't watch Georgia basketball. I spent so much time on Kennesaw State. Um, I don't know how he handles the ball. Um, he might be a better three in at least in college. Um, maybe even uh, you know an undersized four like Brandon Stroud in the A Sun. Um, and yeah, like you said, twenty four seven says he's um, eligible. I I honestly don't think anybody knows yet. I don't know that for a fact, but you know the the process is so much more liberal than it was many years ago. So, you know, it's, I'm sure he can get a waiver, but you know, I'm, you know, I haven't heard anything official yet and I'm just kind of hoping. So we'll have to kind of see on that, but yeah, for right now, let's just assume he's going to be eligible and uh, we'll be able to help us this year. Right. All right. That gets us into um, this freshman class, uh, starting with the highest profile of the four of them, RJ Johnson who Petway successfully flipped from his last uh, gig at Alabama. Um, you know, like I said, the highest profile recruit in this class, um, either the second or third highest ranked recruit in Kennesaw State basketball history, obviously behind Chris Youngblood. And I, I think he was about on par with Brandon Stroud. Um, 6'3", uh, 190, listed as a combo guard. Um, not to, you know, make NBA comparisons because that's, you know, unbelievably unfair, but this is somewhat of like a Russell Westbrook uh, slasher build is what I'm getting. Um, yes. Had several other high-profile offers coming out of high school. Um, he had some ludicrous stat lines at high school being the number one player in the state of Alabama. One game he went for 36-9-16. and 16. Um, I think the storyline here is going to be um, his – uh, battle for Simeon Cottle with minutes in the rotation. Obviously, you know, Cottle had uh, the second point guard role on lockdown last year, and I think that's going to be up in the air. And with R.J. Johnson being as ball dominant as um, he seems to be, um, I doubt that he's going to be strictly a shooting guard um, throughout next year. Um, so, yeah, a scouting report on him says he scores at all three levels. He can shoot, he can get to the rim. Um, he's got good enough passer vision. I think he averaged over four assists in high school. So yeah, I'm excited to see uh, RJ Johnson play next year. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I, again, I talked to Scott about RJ. Uh, I personally, I don't really like, you know, I haven't even really watched highlights of him. Um, I don't like watching highlights anymore. You know, I've been doing this for so long, you know, highlights can easily, you can, you can get a sense of certain things, but they can be easily manipulated. You know, you show you show, show a guy hitting 10 three-point shots, and those are the only 10 three-point shots he's hit all year and missed, like, 50. Um, so, you know, you can only take so much. Uh, but, I, you know, I did talk to Scott Whittle, who knows RJ and very familiar with him, uh, gave me some information. He says he might look like a fullback. 
He's a wide body that can get off the floor. If he becomes a perimeter shooter, watch out. He's an all-conference type kid. He can get to the basket well, take contact well, distribute it, and he'll have a shot to be the guy at KSU. He's ultra-talented and is a perfect fit for the perfect coach at the perfect time. Uh, so I guess that's in regard to you know Coach Petway uh, specifically. Um, the sky is the limit. He's not your typical high school guy in the ASON. He doesn't look like he can jump like that, but, man, he can rise up. Uh, what a pickup for KSU. Yeah. Um, obviously just came in yesterday, uh, the news of his commitment. Um, I think in that backcourt, he's going to get minutes immediately, although you have – literally five other guys who are going to be vying for minutes. Um, his talent is undeniable. Um, I, huge get for Petway. Uh, I'm stoked to see him play next year. Um, yeah. That and, brings us, and, go ahead. and what stuck out to me, you know, uh, you know, it sounds like he needs to work on becoming a perimeter shooter, according to what Scott says. Um, so, you know, Petway likes to have shooters in his offense. So that's probably going to be, you know, the thing that would hold him back from, you know, I think getting minutes if he is held back, um, you know, uh, Terrell Burden can shoot it. All right. Um, Simeon Cottle can shoot it. Um, you know, RJ Johnson, uh, that might be the question mark. So, you know, we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. Right. Um, then we get to the second point guard commitment. Um, Chase Clemens uh, out of Etowah High School, just down the road in uh, Woodstock, Georgia, um, originally from Greenville, South Carolina was committed to Nebraska at one point. He's a six foot flat point guard, 24 seven sports has him listed as an 80, um, had a number of solid offers coming out of high school, kind of a strange high school career, um, bounced around to at least three different high schools. Um, seems like he didn't play a lot or doesn't have a ton on record for the last two seasons, but when he did play, he had some really impressive shooting splits, um, shooting, uh, 45% from three, um, for his high, for his, um, documented high school career i should say um and 50 percent from the floor 72 percent from the line um a bit of a mysterious you know commitment uh i assume he will at least look into red shirting with um this uh backcourt being as crowded as it is um what do you see on clemens i kind of agree with you there you know again i i don't watch these guys i'm not in the gym every day but you know he is a smaller player and we do have guys that are proven, like Bird, especially Burden and uh, Cottle. Um, you know, Clemens in high school, you know, like you said, I guess mysterious is a good word. He played for Etowah, um, you know, Brandon Recksteiner, Virginia Tech, and Mason Etter. Those were kind of the uh, one-two punts that everybody talked about when, you know, playing Etowah. You didn't hear a, really a lot about, you know, Clemens. So that's kind of the mysterious part. Like, where does he fit in? Was he the point guard? And then Rex Steiner got in. He was just a little bit better. And, you know, there wasn't too much of a role for Clemens. I don't know. I don't have those answers. But that's just, you know, something to watch. And, yeah, I, I agree. You know, definitely a strong red shirt uh, candidate um, if you want to go that route. Um, I did talk to, again, Mr. Mr. Whittle, um, and he's told me he's maybe uh, 165 to 170, but I think the upside is big. I like his shiftiness, and I think fits the style of play that Petway has, and he's going to want to spread the ball, spread the floor with three-point shooters and play with pace, and this kid fits that. He handles the ball well and is very underrated as a point guard in general. He can shoot it and makes good decisions with the ball, and I think there's a lot to like about him. He's got a lot of good stuff to him, and he's a competitor and a gym rat. He wants to win. Plays with a chip on his shoulder and is coachable. A kid that has those things, I think he can win with. 
So uh, Scott likes what he saw out of uh, Chase Clemens. Um, you know, I talked to somebody else, you know, I talked to some other people about him. They were not as high on Clemens as Scott was. So, you know, this is kind of kind of be one of those ones where, you know, we'll have to wait and see how he does. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say one way or the other, like, oh, man, this kid's going to be great. This kid's not going to be great. You know, I, he's probably, you know, at his size, he's played with a chip on his shoulder. I'm sure his, you know, most of his high school career and he's going to have to do that again. And Terrell Burden did it. And now Terrell Burden's one of the best guards in the country. So there you go. Right. Uh, and you bring up him maybe being the second fiddle in high school, which, you know, is one of the weird things about high school sports, especially public high school sports is just because third, the- third fiddle. There you go. Just because, you know, you're the second or third guy doesn't mean you're not any good. I mean, this is a completely different example, but you look at a guy in college football, like a Kyle Trask, who was a, a backup his entire high school career, you know, and turned out to be, you know, just a, a fine player. So, uh, yeah, uh, Clemens is going to be, uh, an interesting watch. I maybe you, this is selfish of me, but I would like to see him redshirt next year, um, just to maximize the potential of all of these guys. Um, but yeah, that brings us to. Well, I, I kind of want to touch on uh, Clemens a little bit more. Right. Um, what he has that RJ Johnson doesn't have is he's a shooter. Now right. I never want to you know count out a shooter. Um, so you know if Clemens can shoot the ball, you know and there might there might be time on the floor for him where he can carve out a couple minutes and you never know you know who's going to stay healthy all of that kind of stuff um i um and i talked to another source about clemens you know says he's you know able to hit tough shots off the dribble without being fully squared to the basket so it sounds like he has an ability to make shots um it seems like clemens was heavily recruited to- earlier in his high school career like you said he was committed to nebraska for a bit and then it seems like i don't know that the recruitments fell off or you know rex steiner got in there and kind of you know took over as the shiny new piece at etowa um so you know i don't know you know exactly what happened but we're gonna have to uh you know, I want to see for myself what uh, what this kid can bring, because obviously if Coach Petway and the staff brought him on, then they see something in him. Right. And that brings us to my personal favorite of the uh, the freshman, Mr. Frank Juan Sherman, um, standing at six, 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 seven, depending on where you look, 180, small forward, small town kid out of Grovetown, Georgia, um, was the high school player of the year in the state um, for 6A uh, two years ago. Um I won a championship. Yeah, correct. Um, has had a really nice list of low uh, D1 offers, including schools like Winthrop, who he was committed to at one point, a school like Buffalo, um, and then in-conference foe Stetson. Um, so definitely on a lot of small schools' radars. Um, uh, I know you mentioned highlight videos being somewhat deceiving, but if there's one thing that stands out about uh, Sherman's highlight videos, it's his athleticism. Uh, the dude can get up um, on both ends of the court, and that's really encouraging to see. Um, he's branded as a really good two-way player, averaged over a steal a game in high school, um, has some really impressive uh, vertical skills. Um, the one red flag that jumps out is it seems like he missed close to all of his senior season in high school with some undisclosed injury. Um, but he can also stretch the floor, shot 33% um, from beyond the arc in high school, which won't translate in college immediately. But, you know, if you can develop that, that makes him a really nice player. Um, Like I said, he's going to look to get minutes, you know, at the three and at the four, which is where you want to be if you're um, an incoming player to this Kennesaw State team. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, what do you see out of Sherman? At 6'6", 180, I think he probably profiles more towards the you know big three, uh, except in a very small lineup. Um, I did talk to, not Scott, it's not Scott Whittle this time, but I did talk to a, a source who's very familiar with uh, Frank Juan Sherman and Georgia high school basketball in general. And he told me that he's a super talented lefty that scores inside and out, goes into the post and shows great uh, strength when posting up and touch score and touch when scoring the ball, has a lot of experience playing on the perimeter, can shoot the three off the dribble and is an above average athlete. So I would agree with you. Uh, Sherman, you know, might be, you know, our top, you know, one of or my one of my favorite freshmen in our class. You know, on paper. Yeah. Um, unless you got anything else, that'll bring us to um, our final freshman commit, uh, and easily the one with the least available information online, uh, Mr. Marcus Whitlock, another small small town guy out of Covington, Georgia. Um, the only unranked recruit had a handful of other offers from smaller schools such as Grambling, North Carolina A and T, Presbyterian um and uab um from what i can tell the scouting report on him is he's uh a solid shooter and can attack the rim um which is all you can ask for from a 6-2 combo guard yeah um again my same source that gave me the information on sherman told me uh quote he's skinny and might not immediately pass the eye test walking up the bus but he's a big time athlete he's a knockdown three-point shooter off the catch and he's a threat to crash the glass for putbacks. He has some three and D upside. So, you know, like uh, like I said with Clemens, you know, um, if you can shoot, you, you can probably play. And if Marcus Whitlock can, you know, shoot the ball at a high clip, you know, I'm sure we're going to find a way to get him on the floor. Um, and again, you know, it might be one of those things where if it's like Whitlock versus RJ Johnson, you know, who ultimately has the higher ceiling and who ultimately might have the better career, it might be RJ Johnson. But ultimate, but Marcus Whitlock, if he can play defense and he can shoot it, you know, maybe he'll be above Johnson to, from day one. I'm not sure. Um, it, it all depends on if Johnson's talent can just kind of, you know, take over. Right. And that plays into um, before we get into these hypothetical lineups, um, you know, Coach Petway comes in with or all these players come in with a clean slate, essentially with a new coach, you know, even a guy like uh, a Cole LaRue is going to have the mentality of, you know, okay, you know, there's new eyes on me. I can, you know, reprove myself um, and just completely reorganize this rotation. Um, and, you know, that goes for all of these freshmen too, you know, just cause you had, you know, a 24 seven sports label coming into school, um, you know, placed on you doesn't mean that you're going to be any good once you get there. Um so, yeah, uh, let's get into what this starting lineup and these rotations might look like next year. I think yep. uh, what's obvious is you're going to have Burden at the one and Robinson at the five. Um, the one guy we haven't mentioned a whole lot today uh, that's returning is Quincy Adamakoya. Um, I see him being the favorite at the three just because of his size and his skill set and his experience, um, which leaves the two and the four. Um, and that gets really interesting. Um, at the two, I think Holt's probably the favorite right now. Um, I think Cottle and Clemens are going to be pretty reserved to, you know, playing the one off the bench. And then the guys behind Holt are obviously, you know, Johnson and Whitlock. Um, so just based on experience alone, I think Holt's probably the front runner right now. Um, and then at the four, um, you're between Gordon and King right now, supposedly. So... But, you know, you might have Gordon getting more minutes to five. So, right. 
So, yeah, the four is really the biggest question mark um, this upcoming season. But if I had to predict a starting lineup um, game one next year, I think it would look something like Burden, Holt, Adam McCoya, Gordon, and Robinson. Maybe King Robinson, um, with Gordon being the number two five. So um, what do you see out of that? If I had to predict my one through five right now, and keep in mind, me and Kai have not watched any practices. We have not talked to any coaches, anything like that. We're just, you know, shooting from the hip based on inferences from what we know about the current players and the prospects. So, you know, uh, but but if I had to guess, and um, I would say I'm going to go out on the limb here. Um, I'm going to say at point guard, I'm going to say Terrell Burden. Um, I'm just kidding. But yeah, obviously Terrell Burden. And uh, Robinson at the five. So two, three, four. I'm going to say Adam McCoya at the three. Um, he's got the experience. He's proven he can shoot it at this level. I think you have to roll with Quincy Adam McCoya. Um, and at the four, I'm going to say Jamel King. Um, you know, Jamel King has that potential to stretch the floor. Um, Petway likes shooters. And, you know, King is a guy that he shot it. Okay, very limited opportunities. And, uh, you know, according to uh, Scott Whittle, the guy's a shooter. And I like that. And I think we will need that. So I think Jamel King is a sneaky athlete. He's, I think he's going to be that guy. And, you know, if I'm going to – this is uh, – the two guard is probably the toughest guess. You know, you have a lot of options. And I'm going to go with perhaps an unpopular guess. But I'm going to go with um, Marcus Whitlock. Um, wow. going to start too. Yeah. Um you know, the guy can shoot and, you know, shooting, shooting plays. And, um, you know, if he can play defense and, you know, it's not always the guy that has the most stars that makes the most immediate impact. Um, you know, the I'm, I, he can be a shooter. I'm, I'm putting him on the court. And obviously I'm keeping a, you know, I do like Cottle. He is, you know, in my eyes, Cottle is more proven. But, um, you know, I kind of like Cottle to relieve burden or maybe, um, you know, come off the bench and, you know, play point guard and shift burden to the two and play off the ball. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I do like, I'm going to say Marcus Whitlock and go out on the limb. That's, uh, I didn't see that coming, but uh, I like the take. Um, I agree with you. I think Cottle fits in really nicely to that, um, you know, backup point guard role. Um the good thing about this roster is, you know, although they haven't gelled um, together yet and, you know, they're some of them are somewhat unproven. I think that there's a potential to be deeper than last year's team. Um, I think if you wanted to keep a tight rotation, you would have the luxury to do so. You could, you know, have something like uh, put Holt at the three and have Adam Akoya come off the bench um, for both the two and the three and have Gordon come off the bench for both the three and the four, you know, and then have Cottle come off the bench at the one. Um, but yeah, I I'm leaning towards what you're saying, um, starting King at the four. Um, I guess it's just a larger sample size that's making me buy into Gordon a little bit more. But if King... I, I, I don't know if I want Gordon playing next to Robinson because neither of those guys are really shooters. Right. So I, I think I would probably limit that a bit because right. you're really clogging the middle. We um, did get what, to see the Demond Robinson mid range a couple of times late last year, and it was beautiful. <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. And you can always tell, you know, if you look at Robinson, like in the first game last year, he takes the threes. You can always tell, like Robinson has that little bit of guard in him. It's like, yeah, man, I want, you know, if I if I could be anything, I want to be a guard. I want to shoot it. So right. you know, if Petway does, you know, if he does work on his shot, 
and does, you know, give him a little bit of flexibility. I, you know, he's not going to be able to guard the fours, but like you could possibly, I could possibly see Demond Robinson out to the three point line on the perimeter more this season, taking threes. It's not out of the realm. He obviously has some touch on his shot. He just needs to extend it. Right. Um, and then, you know, if you don't start Gordon at the four, you have the luxury of having him as the two at the five. And then, you know, I, with all due respect to Cole LaRue, um, you need a guy who can hold that down for 10 to 15 minutes a game. And LaRue, you know, really wasn't filling that role last season. Um, yeah, that's where I see Gordon. Exactly what you said. You know, when Robinson's off the court, you have a, you know, you have a guy that can bang inside, get those trash buckets, um, really, you know, really work hard um, in there. And, you know, Cole LaRue, um, touching on him, you know, I, when I first saw him, I'm like, you know, this guy's probably not going to contribute until he's a junior. Um, he contributed a little bit last year, but you know, he either needs to become a really good three point shooter, or he needs to, you know, figure it out a little bit more and play more physical inside. Um, he's not very athletic. And I think that's kind of the biggest knock on Colaru. Um, you know, he is an older guy right now. So, you know, age is very important in college basketball. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that LaRue or Armani Harris could play some kind of role on this team. I don't want to count them out just because they haven't done anything yet. You know, right. suddenly, you know, when you're, you know, a, a senior guy, you're the oldest guy now, you're like 22, 23, you know, you, you might have some confidence being around there for a while, you know, things happen. So I want right. to, I want to see those guys get in there and compete. And I think there's a, re the reason I think that we got rid of, you know, Kamba and Johnson, those guys are only around for one season. Whereas, you know, LaRue and Harris have been through the battles. They know right. the guys well. And, you know, if coach Petway came in and said, yeah, we're getting rid of the guys that don't play. That's not going to sit well with Terrell Burden. That's not going right. to sit well with Demond Robinson. And you need guys like that good team players, you know, they're not going to be superstars. But, you know, they're not going to they're not going to cry when they're not getting minutes. And right. I think that's, you know, you, you saw how energetic like Harris got on the bench, that kind of thing. You know, he's he's a good teammate, a good kid. And, you know, I'm rooting for him and LaRue. It's just, you know, like you said, you know, there's other kids on the team right now that are much more talented. But again, not counting them out. And there's a lot of unproven aspects of all these players, Holt King, all the freshmen, Gordon, everybody's unproven. Um, so we're gonna have to see. Well, and you know, one more nice thing about LaRue in a basketball sense is he is still the tallest guy on the roster. And, you know, being six, nine, um, in mid-major college basketball kind of makes you a decent rebounder just by default. Um, so I think yeah. he will carve out a role as a situational big. I mean, just looking at it right now, they don't have the depth to go too deep, you know, without LaRue at both the four and the five. Um, I think uh, one of the more I think he could. I think he could. You think you could um, go, what, Robinson, Gordon, King, uh, and Holt. Holt? Oh, yeah. I mean, if uh, Stroud could play the four like he did last year, um, you know, I think Holt fits the prototype better for the, you know, like, like Scott told me, you know, King, and again, this is all assuming that, you know, what they're doing in practice kind of starts to translate to the games. Holt is the, you know, Holt and King can shoot it. Um, and if they can shoot it, that's, you know, that's perfect for the four. You know what I mean? So I, right. I think those guys are the guys that you ideally want at the four. And you could play undersized like Stroud did for certain opponents, obviously. And in the A-Sun, you're not going to get, you know, really many 6'8", 230 power forwards. Right. And you would really hope that, um, you know, since Holt uh, came in as, you know, not really 
uh, a top three option at either of the schools that he was at offensively that he would really have refined his defensive game by now. And, you know, he's not going up against guys in the SEC anymore. Um, so I see what you're saying. Um, I think well, one of, was that? No, I was just gonna say, if you look at Holt, he got minutes last year. Again, I haven't watched him and he, right. he didn't shoot it well. I think right. there has to be a reason he got those minutes. And I'm right. assuming it's because he plays some kind of solid defense. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think one of the most interesting uh, bench battles right now is going to be that second number three spot. I think Armani Harris is very much a candidate to get minutes off the bench this year. Um, and I think uh, Frank Juan Sherman is also in that conversation. Um, like I said earlier, I really, really like Sherman and I would love to see him get um, minutes at the three off the bench. Um, I think we're in agreement that Adam McCoy is easily the front runner uh, to start there right now. Um but, you know, he, Adam McCoy is not playing 40 minutes a game. Well, I'm hoping that Sherman can march through Kennesaw and uh, set everything on fire. Right? That's a Civil War reference. But anyways, I digress. Um, I don't see Armani Harris at the three. And this is kind of the conversation that, you know, been having for years now when he came out of high school. He's not really a three, but he's not really a four. Um, in order to play the three, he's going to have to prove that he can shoot it. Um, and I... You know, he hasn't proven that yet. Um, so I kind of see him as like that, you know, that playing at the four, that scrappy, high energy guy that might have a good game here or there, causing people fits, you know, with his high effort, you know, that kind that kind of fit. Um, I'm hoping Sherman is at the three, like you said. I think he's the more of that uh, prototypical three with his size, 6'6", 180, you know, backing up Adam Akoya. Um, but, you know, if for whatever reason Sherman's not ready, if Holt's not, you know, ready, you know, we could just go small and play three guards. I mean, that's yeah. probably not going to kill us versus certain teams. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it's just really, you know, R.J. Johnson, you know, he, he's got that bulk. He could probably play a small three for a little bit. Uh, it just, yeah, we... Whitlock is 6'2", 170. It's tough. We could play a three-guard lineup, but we're going to really be giving up some stuff on the defensive end. Right. I mean, and, you know, Amir loved to talk about how they ran four guards uh, most of the time last year. But four guards doesn't mean four dudes who are 6'1", 6'2". You know, Bingo. I mean, Bingo. Stroud wasn't really a guard, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. And then you could, you know, say Youngblood was an undersized three or an undersized four even. Um I was a perfect so, yeah. size three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, we, for sure. I had a, I mean, a running joke with one of my buddies that uh, Armani Harris was one of the most obscure roles in basketball, which was a situational wing. Um, I think he probably keeps that role next year. Um, like you said, I think he, you know, comes in when a, you get unexpected foul trouble, you know, maybe Adam McCoy has three fouls and Holt has three fouls, you know, and Gordon's, you know, got to give Robinson a breather. Um, and then Harris, you know, gets run for a couple of minutes. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. He'll kind of fit in. And it, it's just so tough to, you know, it's so tough to do this this far out. Because like I said, you know, this podcast is going to be irrelevant if, you know, a week from now, Holt is not even playing. You know what I mean? And his he doesn't get a waiver. So it's so hard to predict this far out. But, you know, just hang with us. We're doing the best we can. And as we get closer to the season, we'll, you know, we'll adjust our predictions. Right. And this is all, you know very theoretical at this point yes. um but yeah uh it's gonna be fascinating because i think the only guys that you really really trust are burden and robinson 
everything else kind of has to figure itself out. I like Adam McCoy a lot, but, you know, last year um, he was playing a smaller role than he's probably going to be expected to this year. He was come off the bench, uh, you know, shoot the ball three times and hit one of them. So, yeah, uh, one other small thing of note that doesn't really matter. I just think it's funny that uh, our group of walk-ons is entirely um, made up of sophomore guards. Uh, um, so, yeah. Matt Brown, Charles Stone, EJ yeah. Holland. EJ Shout Holland. out to the walk-on crew. Absolutely. They bring the energy every night. Those guys were uh, getting crazy. I mean, Charles Stone uh, worked himself into a gif. So, you know, that's <laughs> it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but, you know, good that's job. That's legacy boy. right there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's those walk-ons are so funny, man. You have Stone going crazy, and you have Holland, who's like five nine. It looks like his little buddy on the side next five to him. Five nine is generous, by the way. Uh, Holland, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, five six, five seven, yeah. Right, right, yeah. No, I know Stone hit one nasty reverse layup. I think it was against uh, Lagrange in like the second game last year, or maybe it was Bruton that, Parker. But, that's uh, what he's gonna tell his grandkids. You oh, see that yeah. nasty reverse layup I just hit right yeah. here? Look at that video. Well, we got three more years of that group, so can't wait. Um, oh, my God. I can't wait for all those reverse layups and dunks and end of game. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see them a lot, and uh, that's because we're up by a lot. So, right. we'll see. Right. All right. Is there anything else you want to add, man? Because uh, I think we got through most of what we wanted to get through today. Uh, no, I don't have I don't have anything to add. I just want to say I'm excited for the season, um, you know, Coach Petway, you know, is bringing, a, you know, obviously Abdurrahim brought the energy, but Coach Petway is bringing a different new type of excitement. I've seen it on Twitter. Um, it, yeah, you know, if you want to cover this real quick, um, you know, remember when Amir got, you know, took the other job, it seemed like everybody was, you know, calling gloom and doom on Twitter. And you know how Twitter is. It's 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 number one, it's not real life. And number two, you know, the the worst elements tend to come out. But everybody was calling gloom and doom, blah, blah, blah. And then we hire Pat Wayne. It's kind of like, oh, OK, this guy looks good. Wow. Maybe maybe we won't suck. And then we got Robinson and Bird and they announced themselves back. And then these same people are probably like, you know, they won't admit it. But you're like, you know, maybe we jumped the gun on that. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I do I do think it, the hire and bring back Bird and Robinson was very important for this program. Um, you know, just keeping the momentum going. And I can't understate that. If Burden and Robinson both left, for example, you know, you're potentially putting this program, you know, back to where it was, you know, before the Amir Abdurrahim era. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if Burden leaves, you know, he might take his boy Coddle with him. He might leave and just it has that chain effect. And then you're bringing in, you know, you know, 10, 10, 13 new guys. And, right. you know, and we're not talking about, you know, uh, being competitive in the A Sun next year, which I think I think we will be. Um, but I'm, per, you know, without talking too much, you know, I think EKU has to be the favorite. Um, right. They brought they're bringing pretty much everybody back. They did a good job, but I think a lot of uh, pundits that don't follow, you know, KSU real close are going to see like, oh, we have a new coach. You know, young blood Stroud and Jennings. A lot of production is gone. You know, kind of write them back to the you know the bottom third of the conference or whatnot. So I'm interested to see where we get, you know, where we get ranked. Yeah, uh, I think another team to look out for is Stetson. Um, they had a sneakily really good year last year, and they're returning um, most to all of their production. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, you know, once the schedule comes out around August, I believe, you know, we'll be able to go through that. 
and uh, make some more predictions. Um, I do know that we are on Indiana's schedule, or I should say Indiana is on our schedule um, yet again. Um, so that'll be a fun trip up to Bloomington. Um, hopefully have some more national attention this time, because uh, for a while last year, most of our internet engagement was Indiana fans uh, arguing that Kennesaw State was great, you know, to bolster their tournament resume. So, yeah, so they could feel better about themselves. And same with uh, VCU fans as well. Right. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm again, looking forward to this. Let's, you know, we're going to keep up this podcast, the Owl Chat podcast for the um, Big Owl, uh, Big Owl blog. And, you know, we, you know, might, I just kind of want to talk about, you know, we have a few minutes, you know, we don't have any time constraints because we're not, you know, we're, we work for ourselves. So, you know, we're going to try and find some Kennesaw State fans that might want to be on some podcasts, you know, people that are passionate about Kennesaw State that we see on Twitter, you know, maybe bring them on, see what, you know, people outside, you know, outside of us think about what's going on with the program, get their takes on games. I want to kind of, I want to kind of use the platform to kind of get a wide, you know, a wide view. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think both of our emails and Twitter DMs are always open. So, you know, yeah. if you know you're interested in being a guest contributor, please let us know. Yeah, I'm at KSU Owl Howl on Twitter. You can reach me there. I'm the only person that has access to my DMs and my account. And Kai, can you say your information, I guess? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is at Kai Millette. You can also follow the website at, at Big Owl Blog um, on Twitter. Uh, my email um, for business inquiries and whatnot is uh, Kai Millette at BigOwlBlog.com. So, yeah, I think we're going to wrap up today. But uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and we have a lot more in store for y'all. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the next edition. Thanks for doing this with me, Kai. And I'm excited to start this journey. Glad we can make it happen. Signing off.